this podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. to the Batman Universe comic podcast, episode 18, season 14. I'm your host, Ian, and I have with me... This is Dev. And this is Theo. Today, we just have our review of Detective Comics 1064, a few bits of twos, and another big uh, general Gotham. Sorry, get bleh. Another big greater Gotham. So let's get into the news. Just a few pieces. The first one is if you are subscribed to Wayne Family Adventures on Webtoons, you probably have noticed it's already started. We're recording on Tuesday, but we got the announcement that it's starting on Wednesday, and we're very excited to see that. Steph and I did a lot of reviews for that season, uh, season one. So check that out on the website. Really enjoyable series. Uh, Let me just say that even though Theo is not included on the reviews of Wayne Family Adventures, Wayne Family Adventures is as good, if not better, than some TBU books. Oh yeah, on the end. for sure, without oh, doubt. I mean, it's 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 shooting for a different audience. It's a different kind of book, but it's a very very enjoyable, very well done book. Um, we also have the announcement that made me want to hit my head into the wall that Stephanie Phillips is leaving Harley Quinn in April. And Teeny Howard and artist Sweeney Boo will be picking up that book in March of next year. The book is not supposed to be renumbering, and so it'll probably continue sort of along the way it is, but my guess it will probably start doing crossovers with Catwoman and Punchline. I hate everything about this. I want to hit my head on my chair and cry, and I'm just not happy. Is it a soft chair? It's not. No! Oh. I, I am very upset by this news. No, I forget. Do you like Sweeney Boo or do you hate Sweeney Boo? Or you like? I like Sweeney Boo. Like I Sweeney think Boo. she's a good artist. Okay. Um, she is not the reason I'm upset. I actually would be perfectly fine if Stephanie Phillips would continue and Sweeney Boo were the regular artist. When it, when is when is Tiny taking over? March. Oh, okay. Now the reason I I do mention this a little bit is. So my theory is that we're going to have some kind of big relaunch, not a reboot, but a relaunch like Infinite Frontier in January. However, my other theory is that we're going to have a crossover between Batman Detective Comics and Catwoman in January. And if that go, that would mean you'd have a six issue crossover in January and February, and then March would be the soft relaunch. So it's possible they're doing that. And it's possible I'm full of nonsense and they're not doing any of what I'm saying. (laughs) But this is a piece of evidence that I could see pointing towards a relaunch in March. Don't care. Not or maybe it. she's just quitting the book and they needed someone to replace her. Hey, this which is possible. fine to me because if she's focusing more on Grimm, her, her independent book that she's doing uh, over at Boom, I am not going to complain about that. 
That is, is the, a good one. Oh my god, it's awesome! Excellent. I'll have to share it with you. Nice. Yeah. Last thing, Fandom is not happening this year, probably because that was really just a a thing that DC was doing, make up for the fact that they weren't doing cons because you know cons were expensive with all the COVID procedures or shut down because of COVID. Um, so they did Fandom, which is an online convention. But since they're doing a bunch of conventions this year, they're not doing Fandom this year. I personally think that the next big announcement is going to be at New York Comic Con next month in October. Uh, that's how DCs usually run its big announcements at New York. They usually don't do much at San Diego um, or C2E2. Usually DC does a lot of stuff at uh, New York Comic Con. Um, they were doing a lot of stuff at uh, WonderCon, too, at one point. Where is WonderCon? And I. Okay. Um, I honestly well, haven't noticed that one. So no, Not recent, but in, in past years. And okay. and the rumor and the rumor was that you know Anaheim was closer to headquarters, so they had a lot more people available. Um, yeah, I just remember back in 2013 when they announced that Stephanie Brown was coming back to comics at New York Comic Con. So that's where I started paying attention to that. Um, and we also over the last couple of weeks had Batman Day, which was fun. They had the free um, sampler books of Hush. And Batman's Mystery Casebook by um, Charlie Fish. Um, really fun little thing. I did the review of the, the full-length graphic novel, so if you wanted to get a teaser of that that book. Um, a lot of comic stores are still have stacks of that that free issue if you want to come in. Not all of them. I can't guarantee it. I, 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 know got, mine, I got mine at Books A Million. Yep, and I've seen some of them at Barnes & Noble, too. So all depends on what your local stores are doing. I I didn't participate this year. Batman Day isn't what it used to be. But how did the epilogue go? The sequel? No, this was just the um, like the first issue of Hush. The the oh, it was the first. Oh, okay. hasn't I, released I, yet. I thought I, I thought it was including that in the in the Batman Day special. Oh, They're doing no, it in... they didn't include it. Okay. Let me let me see when that's releasing. The twenty first anniversary. <laughs> Is that getting released piecewise or as a collected? I guess uh, it's collected. It's oh, collected. No, it's collected. Okay. All right. So the the oh my goodness, it's fifty dollars. Fifty. Wow. Dollars. That's a lot. Yep. I will Is definitely. Be oh, okay. It's hardcover. That makes sense. But still, be, that's a lot. That's a lot. Definitely be reading the review copy. Okay. So that's ooh, scheduled to ooh, come out October eighteenth. So ooh, next shadows. I'm excited for shadows and hardcover though. Shadows of the Bat. I miss you, Mariko. Come back. Mariko's back. back yes, on the soda. Well, not really. Not at back. all. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is tonight. Yeah, she is tonight. That's what I meant. Right, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Uh, Do we? No. Do we? we want to start with our review of Detective Comics number 1064. You but say once. <laughs> I mean, I would like. I, I'm enjoying the book, even though I can't tell you what's uh, happening. Yeah. So let's get started with our review of Detective Comics 1064. Detective Comics 1064, Story One, Gotham Nocturne Overture Part Three, written by Ram V with art by Raphael Albuquerque. Years ago. 
Palyagu trains her son Damien in sword fighting. The young heir to the demon's head, however, wants to hear the story of Farhad, the grim soldier. The young mother obliges and tells the story of the man whose devotion to his gods, who put a demon inside of him, cost him the love of his life. In the present, Bruce Wayne visits a doctor at Gotham City's General Hospital. The doctor is astonished by the level of injuries to Bruce's body, but while he sees Bruce's in otherwise excellent health, he feels the former billionaire is suffering from panic attacks. Little does he know that he's alone. Bruce has made his way to another part of the hospital, where, wearing a ski mask, he pays a visit to Lewis, one of the goons he took down at the Gotham docks. He wants to know more about who paid him. After roughing Lewis up some, the dogs give Batman the dog gives Batman the information he was seeking. Batman knows exactly who was running things. Batman arrives at the at the abandoned Pennyman Theater, where he finds Talia Agu waiting on him. She knows he would figure things out, but had hoped he wouldn't have shown up. The two begin to fight, and before long, Batman realizes that Talia is trying to distract him. He just doesn't know from what. Talia sets off an explosion, causing Batman to fall through the floor. Talia leaves as the remainder of the abandoned building collapses to the ground. At Gotham Harbor, the media is abuzz about the arrival of Prince Arzen as he comes as an emissary of his mother. The mayor and the police chief are all in attendance for the pageantry. Little do they know that they are not the only ones awaiting the, the arrival of Prince Orgum. The League of Assassins are also waiting for the yacht to arrive. The League, however, doesn't know that Gale is expecting him. He informs his colleagues to let the attack happen, just ensure the prince is protected. Back at the destroyed Peniment Theater, a grapnel gun rises from the rubble pulling the Dark Knight from the ashes. So, this is the second to last issue of this arc. Do you have a sense of what the story structure is yet? No. <laughs> uh, it's it's tension building, but I don't know if it's done super well. Like, you know what this kind of reminded me of? Did you Have you guys ever seen Rat Race? No. Oh my gosh. Watch that at one in the morning sometime, or when you've maybe one in the morning when you've imbued a little too much and your brain is loopy. It's one of the best movies. Cobra Kai at one in the morning. It's one of the best movies of all time. If you're in the right mindset, and at the end of the movie, like the all these people are are running to one particular spot and they all have trackers on them, but things keep happening to them as they get closer and closer to the goal, and they're getting slower and slower, and they keep getting to like. They're having to zoom in on the map to see that their little markers are actually moving because they're moving so slow. They stopped. No. They're moving. Look. That's this. That's this. <laughs> that boat is getting closer and closer, but it's never actually reaching the docks. And we're never going to get there. <gasps> in conclusion. I don't know where this story is going, but it's not going to end with the next issue. The arc might be over, but I'm guessing the arc is just, I'm on a boat. Like, that's the arc, is I'm on a boat. I mean, I think that the arc's going to end in a cliffhanger, because we know that the run's going to go on for a while. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't even know if it'll end on a cliffhanger. I think it'll just, I mean, yeah, it'll have to, because it's going to continue on in the next issue, because there's literally no way this issue can end in the next, the story can end in the next issue. There's no way. 
And it doesn't. And, and I mentioned it in my review. This. So first of all, as I wrote my review, I'm I'm thinking this is a six issue story arc, and now Ian has really knocked me down to earth and putting out there that it's only four. And oh, I just the burn and the build in this story is just so slow. It's it's almost as if it's almost as if Robbie is trying to put everything out there for us, even though we may not need it. I mean, this is this is almost the opposite of off paneling where stuff happens <laughs> and you just don't know it. He's just putting everything out there and it's and I appreciate a lot of it. But if this story is if this arc is supposed to end next issue, man, there's gonna be a lot of holes open. And and again, you know, like Steph mentioned, the the arc may be ending in the story. The story's not. I mean, and we and we know that from solicits and and so forth. But oh man, this this story has gone not that far in three issues, which is a little unfortunate. And it may be that when it's all done, we'll come to appreciate it and maybe like we'll look back and go, oh look at this, this this connects it all together. But right now it just doesn't seem like Batman's doing anything except getting tricked by Talia and needing therapy, which, you know, is is always the case. <laughs> and and like there's I just can't think of anything that's moved forward from the first issue. Like we may know a little bit more of the history, but nothing in the story has moved forward. I can appreciate the fact that for once since Ron V's taken over, he did not have Barbados. <laughs> <laughs> so I completely agree with you guys. I feel like this story is is really not moving at all. Um but it's weird. I can't tell you what's happening in this issue or this arc, but there's so much emotion. And part of that is I really like Raphael Albuquerque. That image at the end of Batman rising is amazing. It like hits me emotionally right where I am. <laughs> That's the kind of thing I just love and seeing in a Batman comic. And let me tell you, as someone who has not been a fan of Albuquerque thought in Detective, and I even say it in my review for this issue, but you're absolutely right. The, the two panels that I really appreciate is one him rising from the ashes of the of the building, but the other one was the one Steph posted <laughs> in our Discord of, as she calls him, Spider Bat. Spider Bat. <laughs> you, you know, but there's just I, I I don't know if it's the hairy lines or just the overall darkness of the of the shading because of how the story's being told, but for some reason Albuquerque hasn't clicked for me on the title. I'll agree with that, but I also think this is the my, of the three issues we've gotten so far. This has been my favorite art. I will agree with yeah. that. I mean, as, as you guys know, I've been on board with Albuquerque's art since the first issue. I've loved it. I, I think I've been consistent in saying it's just 
emotionally, but like that image at the end, the combination of the way, like Ram V is writing very poetically, Mm -hmm. like it's very, I mean, it's an opera, you know? So it works for me on an emotional level. I just can't really analyze plot or character. Like, I feel like his voice for Bruce is good. I think character wise, it's good. It's just plot-wise, I'm just like, where is this all going? Like in Catwoman, like when I was writing reviews for Catwoman that Ron V was writing, I could always put the pieces together because it was a, a very tightly plotted crime story with all these interlocking characters and organizations and stuff. And here, I'm like, we have this organization of the Orgums, who are actually a renamed Arkham, and we have Batman, and then we have Barbados, and I have no idea how anything connects. And Two-Face is doing something, and it's weird. Anyway, I don't know what's going on, but I feel it. I feel the poetry of both the words and the visuals, and I'm enjoying it. I cannot say I like it as much as Batman, because Batman, I understand, and I'm just, like, sucked along by the action of the characters. But this one, I'm just sort of, like, enjoying, like, I don't know, like a blanket on my brain. I, I will say, I think I can see, like, this is not bad. This is just not maybe my favorite. And so, no, this is, I would say this is much more enjoyable than Josh Williamson's run. Oh, for sure. Just, no, no, I would take this over that any day. Um, and I'm sure this resonates like with you. This is going to resonate. Every kind of story is going to resonate with someone. There's, yeah, they yeah. wouldn't, they wouldn't sell it if someone was not buying it. Someone is buying this. Um, and so, yeah, it's not bad. It's just not my favorite, and it's not my story that I would sit for entertainment for. It's- just slow. It's very slow. I will not not disagree. It's very slow. It it, it seems like one of those stories where you will have to read it in collected edition to really get the type of appreciation it probably deserves. I I don't really have a whole lot more to say about this issue just because... We talked about a lot. We probably got through your questions before you can even ask them. (laughs) Yeah, so let's move on to our backup. Do we have to? <laughs> we unfortunately do, but make it quick. <laughs> Story two. Dakota Pottery, written by Cyspiria, with art by Donnie. Outside of the condemned shelter, Jim Gordon confronts Detective Yorquart. Gordon sees the wrecking ball getting closer to the building. He also sees the demonic eyes looking from the unmarked car across the street. Yogurt tells the old police commissioner that no one will miss the riffraff trapped inside because there's a new Gotham on the horizon. They're not a part of the plans. The boy trapped at Arkham isn't important either. He's nothing but a thief. All Gordon needed to do was to get the three of them into the building and everything else would have been taken care of. Instead, Jim Gordon arrived alone. Suddenly, The detective eyes change and he begins speaking in a different language, the language of those possessed by the asthma. He attacks and overcomes the old police commissioner. Before he's able to do much harm, the boy from Arkham arrives. He realizes that something's dark within your quad. The tattoo on his back begins to glow and he attacks the the possessed police detective. Gordon wants him alive to get answers, but it's of no use. Hirquat dies as the asthma leaves his body. The shelter's occupants begin to come out of hiding. They're scared, but they have hope in their eyes. 
Jim Gordon looks at his savior and he makes a promise to help him find out who he really is and how he ended up in the walls of Arkham Asylum. But first, there's pizza. Does Did you guys read the final issue of the Joker, Joker number 15? Oh. No. I don't remember. Yes, 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 I did. Yes. Does this at all feel in any way connected to what James Tynan was doing with Jim Gordon? James Tynan? Not particularly. Yeah, in the Joker, because that's the last time. No, I know, I know. I'm, no. I think Theo is, because I'll be honest, I kind of read the backup when I was not in sound mind, and uh, uh, he caught on to a lot of stuff that I didn't about how it connects to the rest of the arc and the story and um, uh, what's his name? Two-Face? With the M.I.S. Mar or whatever. Um, But no, it's not to the Joker stuff, not to the not to the storyline it's supposed to directly precede. I I really don't like how Spurrier wrote Jim. He just doesn't feel like the same character. Yeah. I liked the kid at the end, and I like that Jim like has a weird little relationship with him at the end. It's like his own little Robin. It's kind of cute. But, yeah. The story didn't have too much going for it. I did think it was really interesting how it basically leads to the end of this the main story. But I don't really know what I still don't really understand how it's supposed to um, add to the story. Well, at the end, you've got Jim and... What's his name? Bo Decker. Jim and his friend. Yeah. Wait, Harvey Bullock? Bullock, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, opening a detective agency, maybe, they'll be, maybe that'll be featured in the main somehow. I don't know. And the kid... Oh, man, I kind of want to see the kid again. I like the kid. I, I bet that's what it is. I bet the kid and Harvey and Gordon are coming back as private eyes in the next, in the in the arc. That is my hope. Do you think you'd like a Rom V written, Gordon? I I definitely want to see him try. Um, I liked how he wrote the cops in his um, Catwoman run. I thought he, they were textured and interesting characters. I think he could do a better job than Spurrier on Gordon. Um, and I, I like Danny's art for, um, for the Miracle Molly one shot. I didn't like it here. It was too weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of fit with the weirdness, but I don't know. Uh, uh, meh. Well, I think, I, I, I think that that's the only reason this was done, that it was too allow Jim to return to the main story because up until this point you, you just didn't have any clue and I and and I give kudos to DC and Spiria because again I've been complaining since Tamaki was gone about the fact that the backups had gone awry again and having stories not connect to the main story as what's going on in Batman. And then, you know, we get what happens at the end. But again, I think the only purpose is to allow Jim Gordon to 
get back into the main. What should we do our ratings out of this time? Pete does. Baby Damien's? Burned building. Burned buildings. All right. So for Detective Comics 1064, main story and backup, what would we give this out of five burned buildings? How about out of five ascending Batman? I do like that. Okay, we'll do five ascending Batman. Okay. Not five. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, the art was better. The story's not going anywhere. Oh. <laughs> Two and a half? Am I being too mean? Two and a half. I mean, if we're counting the backup, I don't think you're being too mean. Okay. I'm clear. Although I really did like the kid, but it wasn't, by no means was that anything to write home about or save this story. So two and a half. Um, I'm going to rate this three out of five. Um, I think it was slightly better than average when you include things like the art and the, the feeling. Um, so I, on the site, I gave Tech a three and a half um because that's all i can do but i thought it it is more of a three to five it's not quite that great but it's not that bad so three to five for me sounds fair because we're not allowed on our reviews to do the the quarters and stuff that we like to do on the cast so three to five um, with my rating of a three, that gives us an average of two point nine two. Uh, sadly, no mode. All right, I did good, y'all. <laughs> Whether you are a first-time TBU Comics podcast listener, a thirteen-year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat family. Join the TBU Bat family and let us know what you think. So we're going to start out with a very exciting book for me, personally, which is Batman One Bad Day, Two-Face, which is by Marco Tamaki and Javier Rodriguez, colors by Jordi Belair. And this book, to me, feels like the continuation we should have gotten from uh, Detective Comics. It feels like the last arc that we should have gotten instead of the, the Riddler arc that felt rushed and inconsistent compared to this. This just feels exactly like Tamaki writing Shadows of the Bat and The, the Neighborhood. Um, what do you think? I agree. I think, yeah. I, it was definitely better than the, whatever was at the end of her run. But I will say, detective-wise, and, like, how I feel Batman should have solved this, I was actually pretty disappointed. I did not love this story, 
But I mean, I didn't hate it either. It wasn't like she was poorly written or a bad voice. I just I felt like Batman was too stupid. I felt like Steph should have been in charge. And if she had been in charge, everything would have been fine. But Batman let his heart lead him. And that's, I guess, not a bad thing because Batman always loves Harvey. But meh. I, I wasn't I wasn't impressed with the detective work, but it was overall like still a really great story. I think that's fair. Theo, are you with us again? Is a thumbs up for me. I kind of I, I definitely understand the criticism Steph has, but I think just you know, as she also mentioned, knowing Bruce's history with Harvey, you could see why Timaki took him down the route that she took him. I was not as crazy about the ending. I mean, because, you know, who wants to see someone kill their father in cold blood? But uh, overall, it was a good story for me. So thumbs up. I mean, I definitely see what you're saying, Steph, but it it just didn't bother me. And you, I don't know, maybe people will be like, oh, yes, proof. Ian does not like Batman. He does not care. (laughs) I don't, I don't think that's the case, but I just loved the texture of this book, and it it felt like a tense, dark story. And I love the fact that even though the ending is very tragic, it feels like an homage to The Killing Joke without being like a copy of The Killing Joke. Like, I felt part of the problem with the Riddler one that Tom King does, it, it felt too much like a copy of The Killing Joke too often. And this feels like it's inspired by, but it's doing more of its own thing. It has more of its own uh, flavor. And that's partly, I think, because Tamaki ties it so strongly to her own Detectives Comics run. Whereas King doesn't tie... I mean, King ties his book to The Killing Joke. Yeah, It doesn't tie it to his Batman run. It doesn't tie it to Batman Catwoman. It's like purely tied to The Killing Joke. This yeah. is tied to Shadows of the Bat. This is, I mean, you've got Mayor Nakano. You've got, you know, just the setup of Batman working heavily with the Bat family, all of that is exactly how Tamaki was writing Batman in Detective Comics. So that's why I say it feels like the true finale to that run. Yeah, and, and you know, I remember when the Riddler came out, the, the Riddler one-shot came out, and we get that ending, and the first question I asked on the server was, you know, are all the stories supposed to be like this? Just mm-hmm. rewritten takes on detective. And, you know, yeah. I mean, in, the pitch was called the killing year. So originally it was going to be 12 stories all about like the killing joke. And, and I was not excited at all. And then this issue came out and I was again, not crazy about the idea of Harvey killing his dad the way he did, but I I was pleasantly surprised with how the story how the story went. And again, as, as Ian explained it, I can now see this being a true ending to her run, much better than what we got with that Riddler story. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very pleased. Thumbs up for me for sure. And I don't know if I said it, but I said thumbs up, even though they weren't like enthusiastic. Thumbs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Task Force Z number twelve: the end of this series by Matt Rosenberg and um, Eddie Barrows. Well, 
I think I like the ending more than the last few issues. What did I say? What did I say for this one when I read it? Neutral. It's still still a well-earned neutral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just went off the rails. I don't even know. Yeah, I was liking it until issue 9, and then issue 10 was just like weird exposition dumps, and I got really lost. Yeah. Um, but this issue, I feel, got it back on track. I was kind of thumbs up, and I will admit, you know, Stephanie Brown shows up, and she's cool, so <laughs> it always gives a couple extra points. Elevates the thumb a little bit. Theo, I forget. I feel like you weren't reading this, but were you reading this? Nope. Okay, so that's an abstain. Now, the one thing I want to bring up with this is we have Two-Face showing up Detective Comics, Two-Face showing up in One Bad Day, mm-hmm. and Two-Face showing up as a main character. Like, he is a huge main character in Task Force C. He's like the evil, less evil Waller? Hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> he, he and Amanda Waller are playing a chess game the whole whole thing. What is going on? What is, going on? What, is, what is editorial thinking here? This is ridiculous. And then he kind There's, of turns code at the end too, because he's all, "I'm kind of okay now. Don't you can trust me?" Blah blah blah. And at the end, he's like, "Ha ha ha ha!" <laughs> like what? Yeah. Like how does this? How does this make sense? None of the characters, none of the portrayals of Two Face work with each other. Mm. That's the problem. Yeah. Um. So even though I'm I'm giving Task Force C number twelve a thumbs up. I'm giving editorial a thumbs down here. That's major fan. Yeah. The one needs to send seems to send have to send Ben a a memo that they need to have more Batroom meetings again. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, Batman Superman World's Finest number seven. Oh gosh, I read it. Oh, oh, that was cute. I didn't act, th- thumbs up. That was that was cute. Has nothing to do with Batman Robin. But so I don't know when they're gonna do that crossover, but it's cute. Abstain. Also abstaining. Um Batwoman number forty seven. Thumbs down. Oh, I said thumbs up. Maybe that was a typo. I think that Wait, was a what? typo. I think that was a typo. Thumbs up? <laughs> I don't think had I meant bad that. Bad art and Valmont's quote unquote romance was like Rash. No, yeah. Listen, I'm not against Catwoman have a little chinka chinka on the side, but whatever's going on with Valmont is horrid. It started out okay, but now it's just ugh, whatever is this. If you're going to have Catwoman have a love interest, like the detective that Ram V wrote, like he was a cool character. Was I wasn't cool. a person. Yeah. But Valmont, there is no reason for Catwoman to like him because he's stupid and shallow. Yeah. Although in this book, he actually does better at planning than Catwoman. Like Catwoman's continues to be beyond incompetent in this series, and Valmont actually is successful twice in a row. Ah. And plus bad filling art. Thumbs all the way down for this book. Continues to suck. Let me let me just say, so I have not bought a Catwoman issue since Teeny Howard got on the book. And I did that because I promised Ian that I wouldn't until he said that it was good enough to read again. I just put an order in for an issue, the one coming out in November, only because Jim Bailey is doing a variant cover and he's doing a variant of my favorite rendition of Catwoman and the woman in purple. So if it wasn't for that, I still will not be buying this book. And and believe me, I'm only buying the issue for the cover. Mm-hmm. I will not be reading it. 
I totally respect that. I myself have bought variant covers just for a certain blonde-haired vigilante. <laughs> um, deceased, War of the Undead Gods, number two. Oh, thumbs up. I've never cared so much about ring core and, or whatever they're called, <laughs> lantern core, <laughs> or, or is it the old gods or the new gods? Uh, new gods. New gods. I've never cared so much since ever. Thumbs up. Dumb, dumb, thumbs up for me as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that battle with, 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 um, Sinestro. Yeah, and you know, you could see that Sinestro might have been able to get a upper hand had it not been for Colin the Core showing up. And it gave me it gave me Infinity War vibes, like when Quill goes and starts smacking on Thanos and wakes him up when he right at the point they are getting the, the gauntlet off of him. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe I had, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sinestro and, and, and the Yellow Lantern Corps are, are about to really take it to Dark Side and the New Gods, and then all of a sudden, here comes Colin. You just want to smack him senseless. <laughs> and because of that, everybody dies, but the two remaining lanterns. But yes, thumbs up. Uh, abstain. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shucky. Harley Quinn, 30th anniversary, 100-page special. I'm going to have to give this as an abstain, but I skimmed through it, and I read the Stephen Shijic one, and I read the Paul Dini Gillum March one, which had Carpenter in it, so now I'm tempted to buy the whole Dagum book for one panel of one character. <laughs> we are so financially irresponsible. Oh, so Listeners, financially do not listen to us. We make bad <laughs> financial decisions. <laughs> Um, listeners, don't listen to Ian. He makes bad financial decisions. <laughs> you both confessed to buying books you weren't going to read for for covered characters. I can buy a book I'm not going to read for one character who shows up. Exactly. There you go. So <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. All three of us. <laughs> buy the Jim Bailey cover of Catwoman and Call of the Day Guys. <laughs> But the, the um, two stories I read were actually, I mean, the Seven Chagic one wasn't life changing. I was, but I was a bit disappointed because, mm. and I know it's not fair because I was hoping for, you know, the kind of depth you got in Harley yeah. and you need a full book for that. Yeah. And I could see the hints of that, but it just, after Harleen, the short stories just don't cut it, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know I promised to read that Sidic story, but I didn't because, again, it's just. Harley Quinn, and I just can't bring myself to do it. So. He does take a stab at the movie Harley because Catwoman's there, like telling Harley, like get a life, you know, don't don't let you know. What is it? You'll be calling Joker Daddy before you know it. And then she picks up the shirt from the movie that says Daddy's little girl or whatever it was, and like Harley makes this horrible face at the shirt, and it's like <laughs> it's because it's a terrible yeah. shirt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I can't read a hundred pages of Holly. Can't do it. Sorry. No. I, can do pages I, of I read it all. I'm giving it a thumbs down because a lot of those stories were just bad. But I did like the uh, Paul Dini story because yeah. I'm a huge fan of Paul Dini's Gotham City Sirens, and this was it was a recapturing of that. I thought it was really fun. That one was really cute. I like that one. Nightwing number ninety six. Oh, thumbs up. 
I read that one so long ago because Theo told me to read it, and it was so good. See, folks, listen to Theo. Don't listen to Ian. This is... You definitely should listen to me if you like this book. No, two thumbs way up. And and I know he I know Taylor did this in his Suicide Squad run, and I don't care. But the whole Comic Code Authority yeah. thing just wow, shift kiss. That was tough. I laughed so hard at this issue. So fun. I am trying to decide. It's either a neutral or a thumbs down. I can't decide how irritated I am. Exactly. Yeah, mute him, please. Just. Yeah. I can't. I can't with him. Not I tonight. think I'm going to say Just neutral. Good, yeah. I guess. You, you suck. <laughs> yes, I do. Batman Beyond the White Knight, number five. Oh, thumbs up. Oh, my gosh. I love this book so much. I love that Bruce is, like, getting into, like, he's starting to mess around with, with Joker a little bit with, with Jack. It's so good. Two thumbs way up, and it's at this point that we will probably start to get Joker back. Remember, I kept saying when this series first started, or at least this this volume of the series first started, that we were getting little hints of Joker, especially with with Jack calling Bruce bats. You know that was a Joker thing. Mm. And now, how do you think? Jack is going to take it hearing Holly tell Bruce how much she loves him. Well, we kind of know a little bit from the preview images in the comic. There's going to be some hanky-panky between somebody, but we don't really know who yet, I guess. So it is going to be, these remaining issues are going to be good. I have to say I'm behind, so I didn't, I am abstaining, but not because it's bad. Um. I I think this is my favorite issue so far. Excellent. Yeah, this was this was a very good issue. You got to catch up in. Mm-hmm. I will. Uh, Batman Fortress number five. Epstein. Is anyone actually reading this one? I forgot. It yeah. is a neutral for me. This this could have been a thumbs up, but I like Calder. But the whole. The whole making out on the beach and underwater, that, that, I, I just don't get the point of that in the story with regards to the whole plot of trying to find Superman. I mean, it was just, it was fluff pages that did not need to be there. Who, and who's making out? Calderon, Aqua. Oh, like, oh, okay. Man, I, don't, it, I think he's an Aquaman now. But it, I mean, since his book got I, canceled, we'll never know. I just, I just, I, I, it just, it wasn't needed. You know how it just, it was. It seemed like it. It was only added to ensure that they had twenty-two pages worth of story. <laughs> and I just think it took away from what is going on. And again, I like, I like the plot of you know. Something's going on with Superman and people are looking for him, not just Bruce and, you know, Lex Luthor, but some other alien beings who the root to the problems going on and going on on Earth. And they just throw some unneeded stuff out there. So it's a neutral. But this could have been a thumbs up if you had taken that fluff out. Harley Quinn number 22. 
Thumbs up. I mean, it's a little more serious than the previous story had been, but I think it was just an excuse to get Shirt Girl in the story. Angel Breaker? Angel Breaker. I appreciate that we're back to Harley and Kevin's story, because yeah. I I just didn't like the Task Force Double X. No. Um, but this is back to what I was enjoying, so thumbs up for me. Yeah. And this will be interesting. <laughs> Tim Drake Robin, number one. <sighs> okay. So the thing I knew I'd hate about it, I hated. The art was just, oh my gosh. And not even I like the, Riley Rosmo, but this was not good. The art and like the character design was weird. Like his old lady neighbors were wearing like Laura Ingalls Wilder dresses. I didn't understand like the little house on the prairie dresses. And Bernard looks like he went from like generic high school age boy to super flamboyant ex stripper. Or something. And then it's creepy and weird. Oh, and then once geez. again, the only thing Tim had to say about Bernard is, Oh, I'm so happy with him. He makes my heart flutter. It's been six months. It's like, oh my gosh. Don't you have anything else to say about your relationship? Uh, anyway. And then he's living on a boat for some reason, which was weird. I, I like the detective aspect of the story. I didn't hate the way Tim was written, other than how he talks about Bernard. But it wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't good. The art was bad, and most of the, like, everything was bad. Okay, so. So, so overall, are you saying thumbs, thumbs up, thumbs down, up? Thumbs down, thumbs down. Okay, okay. I think so, I, I wrote down neutral, but the more I think about it, the more pissed off I'm getting, so thumbs down. Totally fair. Sorry, 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 Theo. No, no problem, Theo. <laughs> so, I know, and, and, and overall, this is going to be a, an abstain, but I'll Wait, say it this way. Okay. So, I know I promised that I was going to read at least this issue, but unfortunately, Reddit got to me first. And just listening to everyone just tear this issue down and question why Fitz Martin just seems to hate everything about Tim and comics and everything. I just said, there's no way I'm reading this because I could see myself pitching my tablet against the wall. And unlike jumping out my first floor window, my wall would break my tablet. So <laughs> I would not be reading that. And I kind of feel justified listening to Steph because I know I am not a huge fan of Raleigh Rossmo as well, you know, with certain stories again, he works in Harley Quinn. He worked in that uh, Robin story in the special, but uh, but just hearing this voice that she gives Tim is just it's a huge disservice to the character, and I have no interest in it. Give it a neutral, <laughs> but it's not a happy neutral. Um. <laughs> The reason it's a neutral and not the other option would be thumbs down. Like th there is no question this would ever get a thumbs up from me just because um, it's half of an interesting book and half of a terrible book. Almost everything to do with Bernard and a lot of Tim's neighbors was awful. It's just stereotypes and really grating, like sassy TV style dialogue. 
Um, well, didn't the the detective that they introduced as another like LGBTQ so character? Bad. He's like, I'm not your fairy gay father or something. I was like, it's what? So You're bad. What? what are you talking about? It's so bad. Just oh god, I have no interest in it. <laughs> no. I'm very I very disappointed. I could I, see myself going to DC headquarters over this. <laughs> and and I am not and and again, you guys know me. I am not I am not the biggest fan of Tim Drake. You know, he is he is my least favorite Robin at me if you want. Even less but, than Jason. Oh yeah. You I, voted I, to kill Jason. I, I did vote to kill Jason, but <laughs> so that moves him up now. I voted multiple times to kill Jason. <laughs> and I and I have I, I have a weapon two on my butt to remind me of that. Oh, yeah, I remember that story. Oh yeah, that's I know that's why I bring it up because I think it's hilarious. But what I am a fan of is comic history, and I've read enough of Tim Drake as Robin to know this ain't him, and I absolutely hate what DC is doing and has done. And I think I think Ian probably sums it up best. I, I, said, I, said, I said earlier that I don't think Fitz Martin generally likes comics. And Ian followed my, my statement up with I just think she's incompetent. And that might be it. Yeah. I mean, that's my thing is I've listened to her on podcasts and I I get a sense that she's genuinely excited. I just think now this. Okay, I'm going to be upfront with some biases here. I have never watched an episode of Supernatural. Uh, I have watched many episodes of various CW shows and the Supernatural was on the CW. I think CW shows generally are badly written. They, it they moved take to there after it had been somewhere else. I think it was. Well, it lasted for what, like 10 or 12 seasons. So quite possibly it didn't I think it was always the CW. Was it? Huh. I think so. By the time she was writing for it, it was definitely CW. Okay. And, and so I think that she just comes from a place where a lower standard of writing quality is expected. And I'm sure she works hard. I know that she tries to work hard. She's very enthusiastic about her various projects. But this feels shallow and stereotypical. And I think that's not because she is malicious. But I do think she's just not very good. She doesn't have a good grasp of how to write likable characters and write depth and dramatize emotions. And I I just think that's a real weakness. I do think the thing that lifts it to a neutral for me is that I like the way she does the detective stuff. She's got both literary and like actual detective elements in what Tim is doing. And I think that's cool, and I think that is a good idea. But unfortunately, it's not well done. Oh, and I really like the character of Darcy, who is a deaf or hearing-impaired girl who is part of the We Are Robin movement. And I love the We Are Robin movement. So she was bringing in, that... She what? was in State too, wasn't she? Yeah, she was in. She was one of the three main characters of the Future State Robin Eternal issue. Yeah, uh, also by Fitz Martin, understandably. And so I thought she was cool. I thought she was well done here. I so those lifted up from a negative from from a from a thumbs down to a neutral. Um, I am glad that it's not just a straight thumbs down. I was kind of 
afraid that I was just going to hate everything about this. And I only hate half of it, which is a <laughs> win, you know? Um, I will continue checking it out to see if it gets better. I would like it to get better. Um, I do think that it's going to get axed after about eight issues. It's possible it'll stick around for a year, but I really don't think so. I don't think people wanted this book this way. I know there are Tim Drake fans. I don't think the Tim Drake fans want this book. Yeah. And I feel really bad because I'm a Tim Drake fan. Like, so everyone knows Steph is my favorite Robin. She's also my favorite Batgirl and my favorite Batwoman. Um, but. And um, you're wrong. Yes, I am incorrect. But. If you say I can't have Steph, my favorite Robin is Tim because he is who I grew up with. I love the sweetness of his character. I love his curiosity and his tenacity. And he's a nerd. I mean, he's an everyman. He was deliberately fashioned after Peter Parker. So he's got that everyman nerd sort of underdog quality to him that I love. Um, so I would love to see Tim take the spotlight in a solo book. I don't like the way DC... Now, this isn't on Fitzmartin. This is on DC. DC's marketing this as Tim's the best Robin. I'm like, I mean... As a Tim fan, I don't mind that, but I know that it's kind of rude because we just had a really great Robin series with Damien. <laughs> and I don't think that's good marketing. I don't think pissing off part of your fan base to like please another part is good marketing. I don't like that at all. I don't think it's good. Well, there's five Robins, yeah. so by saying one is the best, you're automatically alienating four-fifths of your fan base. <laughs> exactly. And, and, exactly. And, and your statement, Ian, is why I think, and I know you're saying you think it may get axed after eight issues. I don't think so. I think DC is going to die on this hill. Oh, boy. And, and oh, man. It, it, I, just because that's what they seem to be doing a lot of these days just making a lot of dumb decisions and after backlash or whatever bad sales they just won't own up to it i mean well, but they did kill um they killed wonder girl they killed uh aquaman um so i i feel like they could kill some of these books but here's the thing people wanted wonder girl that's true. They did. People, they, they didn't want that book axed, and they did it anyway. So I think again, that's because Joelle Jones was proving to be a really difficult person to work with. And I just, I think DC is going to die on this hill, and, and just like they like to force feed us a bunch of crap that we may not want, a la Bruce and Talia, that's coming. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Please, no. It's not coming. I, I just think that DC is going to die on this hill because unlike before where they may retcon stuff, you know, to make it seem like, oh, it just never happened. I don't think they're going to do that. And, and it's just history is going to, their recent history is going to prove that. And it's unfortunate because you're right. I don't think, I don't think most people want this book and I don't think it has anything to do with the whole sexuality thing. It has everything to do with the voice. The character has been given. Like you say, he sounds like an imbecile. Where all he talks about is how happy he is now. That's not the Tim Drake that people know and want. And 
I don't know why certain characters within not just the Batman universe, but the DC universe as a whole gets misused the way that they are. Because again, not the biggest Tim fan, but Tim has a very prominent place in the Batman universe and with Batman. And I don't think what DC has done as of late does him any justice. Yeah. And that, that unfortunately goes back before uh, Fitzmartin started doing oh, her story. Most definitely. Most, most definitely. They, they haven't, I think the last time that Tim really had a good direction was when Tynan was writing him. Uh, it didn't last long. Comics. It didn't last long. But I got to ask this stuff, Ian. I want to hear your answer. All right. Gun to your head. Gun to your head. Yeah. Castellucci or Fitzmartin? Oh, gosh. Do I have to pick? Or pull the trigger? Ah. <laughs> uh... Bang. You're dead. Yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> I can't pick. I don't. I'm just so unhappy with both of them. I can't pick. Okay. So, lastly, and I did this on purpose. Batman the Night number nine. Oh, yeah, we did do everything else. Um, yum, 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 yum. What did you just say? Oh, the night. Oh, yeah, that was so good. I mean, it was so good. Yes, that's why I did it last. I thought it took you this long to. I was like, what's wrong? I know the button chops were bad, but. I just, no, 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 no. So I I know we'd skipped audio adventures, and I was trying to think. That just didn't seem like the whole list, but I guess it was. Um, yeah, no, that was really good. Um, I like that they didn't rush things with Talia. Like, there's a bit of flirtation, and they push it a little bit, and then he backs off. So I like, I like that they're just not running to it. But it is looking like we're gonna have a baby daddy, and we got a hundred percent confirmation that Anton is not Anton. He is Ghostmaker, whatever his name is. They I say it, but I don't ever remember. And I love it, that it, Bruce isn't like. Because I kind of was taken aback how he, how Bruce and Ghostmaker just kind of got back together as friends, but here you get Bruce's doubts and his skepticisms that, you know, his friend is going to stick around and not try to kill him. <laughs> and now they're about to fight again. Now they're about to fight. <laughs> um, no, I thought it was very good, very interesting, and I'm glad there's going to be a part two to the Raw story. Yeah, I'm excited. And Talia's character design was terrible. Uh, good. I'm so happy you mentioned that because I was going to say that. Again, <laughs> thumbs up for me, but the idea of Talia Agu walking around with sideburns <laughs> being in mind is a little concerning. And and uh, Steph had the greatest joke in our Discord chat because uh, the sideburns that she have look like the old Victorian mutton chops, but of course Talia's a lady, so she wouldn't be a lamb. She'd be a you. So we call them you chops. You chops. She wouldn't be a mutton. She'd be a you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is also a thumbs up for me. I have loved this book. Zdarsky has kicked it out of the park. I have wanted a Bruce training book for a long time. Because, you know, there's like all the things he knows he had to learn from people. And, you know, the emotional journey of that and Bruce's headspace. And, and, and all we've known have been names. We, you know, yeah, except we, for Ducard, who, of course, has shown up a couple times. But like, right. but, but all we've known have been, other than Ducard, who, again, like Ian said, have had a place in the books. All we've known have been names. 
you know, we 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 haven't had faces, we haven't had stories, and we haven't that's had the relationship been, between Bruce and his masters. It's mm-hmm. been wonderful. This he knows that he hates. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. And. Some people complained, oh, we're putting Ghostmaker into Bruce's. I'm like, I don't care. It's cool. It's a fun relationship. I think um, that's great because, I mean, if we're, we keep getting these things of, oh, oh I'm, <laughs> my husband wanted to watch something serious the other day. So I was like, well, we could watch Batman Hush. And so he's never read the books before. And so he's like, oh, who is this guy? And I'm like, oh, it's just another character introduced as Bruce's best friend back from when they were kids. But it's, we didn't, we never heard about him before. <laughs> But now it's like, okay, this guy's been introduced as someone from Batman's history. Let's put him in Batman's history. And I love it. I love that non-Titan character act, uh, writers are are taking up the character. I think it's wonderful. I think it's well done. And that's the thing is he provides a contrast with Bruce's heart. Like, Bruce's... This is the Bruce that Tom Keg made me fall in love with. This is a Bruce who loves the people of Gotham and the people of Earth, and he wants to save them. And that's what I love about Batman. He's, he's a hero who puts himself between normal, everyday people and those who want to destroy them. And Zdarsky did a fantastic job with this in this miniseries, and I think he's going to do continue to do a fantastic job with that in his Batman run. And of course, Carmine Diagiman. Wow, I haven't messed up that badly in a while. Just play it stiff. Carmine Diagiman Domenico. Carmine Diagiman Domenico did an amazing job, even with the weird U chops. <laughs> them, them. I just the, the, that's those sideburns scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I mean, she is an evil character. So I, I've seen many. I've seen many a evil character. Ain't none of them have sideburns like that. Didn't the, the lady captain in um in um Treasure Planet, I think she had crazy sideburns. Yeah, but she was half cat. <laughs> what? <laughs> the Disney movie the Treasure Disney Planet. Movie Treasure Planet. Played by Emma Thompson. Yeah, sorry. No, not a Disney fan. Oh, me either, but I like the non-princess stuff usually. I prefer Muppet Treasure Island to Treasure Planet, oh. but I understand the appeal of Treasure Planet. I like both those. All right, so now we're going to give thanks to all the uh, patrons um, who contribute at a certain level. Uh, thank you to Lisa Slack, Ian Miller, Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Rob O, Tim Garassi, Stephanie Mounts, Donovan Morgan Grant, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, uh, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, Cesar Diaz, Jessica Morales, David Richards, and Robert Lewis. Thank you so much for helping keep our archives up and our new episodes coming. And that is the end of our podcast. Um, Not a ton to say about our main issue, but tons and tons to say about Greater Gotham. So that was kind of exciting. And I was really excited by so many books this week, uh, these last two weeks, especially One Bad Day in the Night. Um, Really good stuff. And White Knight. I I will get to it, but I can't say I was excited because I didn't read it. White Knight. You need to get so good yeah all right i've been ian this is steph and this is theo comic code authority (laughs) and thank you all for listening we'll see you next time okay okay so true story since we're talking batman day so my grandmother died 
2012 at the age of 89. And so I'm in my early 40s at this point. So we go to clean out her place. Now, little story about my grandparents' place. They lived in the same house easily over 60 years. And never owned a place. It was a rented every year of those 60 plus years that they lived there. And the only reason why I knew it's been at least 60 years is because when my aunt died, my aunt died at 49 and they were living there before she was born. So my grandfather was World War II vet. Of course, my grandmother just typical housewife. So anyway, so we go and we clean out, start cleaning out the house, right? And we get to her dresser drawer. And lo and behold, in the top of the dresser drawer, there was my pair of Batman underoos back from when I was a little boy decades ago. Not a whole Colors barely fading. The only thing missing were the tags. And again, this is not the underoos that you see on store shelves now at Walmart or what have you. These are the original. The the original. Most of you all were not born when these underoos came up. Because again, I'm nearing 50 now. So... Just imagine the look on my face when I see my Batman t-shirt and my Batman bloomers <laughs> in that drawer folded nice and neatly like they had been there the last time I spent the night at our place at seven, eight years old. And again, this is in 2012 and I was born in the 70s. So that is a very sweet story. I know the woman threw away nothing. We, (laughs) we cleaned up her place after Katrina. And when we, when we cleaned out the place, when she died, we found stuff we thought we threw away (laughs) the the last time. So obviously she went behind us and just took it all right back. Oh, that's so funny. Yes. I miss mommy. She's still, uh, she's still buzzed. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> what did you have like that? Um, Mike's harder strawberry lemonade. Are you serious? I, I, I had almost the whole cooler? bottle. A wine cooler? I am very sensitive. Okay, that, that's a wine cooler. I don't drink. I'm, I'm, I'm very sensitive. He is a lightweight. I am a lightweight. <laughs> Super right. weight. <laughs>